Cool Grant almost spoke first, but I dove in ahead on the microphone. And the cool thing is, is that even if you would have spoken first this morning, I would have edited you edited you out. Because I'm a dick. And I'm Brent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So uh, we are here for episode... 66. Double sixes? Double sixes, I guess. Sixes. Boxcars! There's a, a friend of mine, uh, this is total non, well, it's tangential. I'm not going to call it total non sequitur. His friend was in a band, and the name of one of their albums was 668, The Neighbor of the Beast. <laughs> On the same side of the street, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, so. Were you going to say something? I was. Okay, cool. Any exciting adventures in your life this week? <laughs> uh, not so far. Week was pretty, um, pretty straightforward. I'm heading to Helsinki today. Oh, so not yet. Not yet. Flying to Chicago, Chi Town. Spending an hour and a half, hour and a half there in the lovely airport, and then flying from there to Helsinki. Chi Town. Chicago. Oh, gotcha. Chi Town. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. One thing. Speaking of so Helsinki, so you're kicking off your kick-ass day of. Travel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Travel. I'm all packed. You know I, what? I gotta... We cannot invent self-propelling self everything fast enough <laughs> and personal self-propelling everything fast enough so or I, teleportation. After we record here, I'm heading into the office just long enough to pack up my desk and move it about 20 feet away. Uh, I'm giving my desk. I have a new hire starting on my team uh, the Monday when I get back. And I'm giving my desk to him so he can sit closer to the rest of the team. I'm sort of, it's, I'm overheadish. I can be moved anywhere. Yeah, that, I, I completely understand that <laughs> philosophy. I, I do the same thing. Hey, I don't know if I've mentioned this, and I'm pretty sure I haven't, to you even. Fairly close, within a thousand miles proximity to Helsinki, uh, is Moscow. And I am heading to the Heisenberg Testing Conference in Moscow this December. Okay. Are you going to be hanging out in Helsinki until that time? No, I'm coming back in between. <laughs> okay. But I forgot I'm giving a, a talk. I'm going to give a spin on my technical testing uh, talk as a keynote. Mm. I started editing that yesterday because I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do another spin on it. I can't give the same, exact same talk twice. So I was going to make some small tweaks because I'm actually giving a talk when I'm in Helsinki at a meetup there. There uh, are already like 50 people signed up at the Unity offices. Should be fun. Uh, I'm going to do a spin on technical testing talk I gave for the online testing conference. Uh, I started making some tweaks and ended up kind of redoing the whole presentation, which is good for me because it keeps it fresh. I like to change it. And I'll probably do the same thing for Heisenberg. I'm also going to give a talk on the use and abuse of test automation, which uh, is obviously related to part of my rant in that. I'll make sure there's a good separation between the two for the talk in are you gonna, Moscow. Are you going to throw in some over-the-top embellishments? For example? The reason why I ask, uh, we'll make the example super clear to you anyway. I think the testing community is, is at a loss now that Whitaker is focused on how AI is going to change. Oh, the that's world. right. Nobody's being ma and and with yeah. Bach kind of 
out of the picture too. Nobody's really out there causing controversy. Even when I go try and cause controversy and say things yeah. like the role of test automator is going away, or, I, have, I have people like Richard Bradshaw who make a living doing test automation going, yeah, you're pretty much right. <laughs> or the role of tests is, as information providers is going away. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, you, you're going to have to, like, there's a, there's an, there is a hole there. I think you can fill it. But you're going to have to step up your game on. There is. I, on I, let, let me think hyperbole. about that. It may not be the right audience to do that, but in my head, I just visit. I just visualized a uh, uh, a normal distribution uh, curve. Yeah. And with modern testing sort of being in the towards the front end of that wave of the curve, but keeping in mind that a lot of testing is back there. Right. As I as I gesture. Yeah, no, no. You're, I mean, you're, you're in the, you're in, in from my um, knowledge of it, you're near outlier on the the normal distribution, but you're not there yet. You're still kind of in the. Oh, oh yeah, this is normal, but a, you know, high on the normal range. Got a ways to go. Yeah, got a ways to I go. I mean, it's fun. not much. You just got to be more, you know, plus plus on drama. All right, I will work on the drama. Hey, so I have. Something that was exciting this week. Oh, hey, Brent. Did you have anything exciting this week? <laughs> hey, yes, I did. Thank you for asking, Alan. Um, I'm a sucky co-host. <laughs> My mother-in-law is right. <laughs> uh, you, you're, like, you're like, Mom, look, there's a reason why the podcast starts with A. Um, anyway, no. Um, uh, there is, speaking of... Uh, vacuous holes there is now a vacuous hole in one of the bedrooms in my house you mentioned your last in yep. the last episode that you're approaching a, a partial empty nest has, yeah. it, has, has it become the man cave yet no actually what we're gonna do is my uh, a sewing room no my my middle son mm -hmm. um, is gonna move into the in terms of like real estate um, and not the master that's the best of the non-master bedrooms. Ah, so, so someone's getting an upgrade. Someone's getting an upgrade. But yeah, that was an interesting experience. It's kind of like when someone leaves, like if someone leaves the team, like if it's a good office, someone will immediately claim it versus let the new guy have it. Yeah, so just a couple of nutshell things that I learned from the experience. First and foremost, um, he's going to school in Wazoo. And from where we're at, that is a five-and-a-half-hour drive one way. Yep, unless it's winter, then it's 12. I took Wednesday off, and I did that trip in one day there, help him unpack, back. That was extremely unpleasant. Yeah, because it's not all for those, um, even Washingtonians wouldn't know necessarily, but it's not even freeway the whole way. A big chunk of the trip is just on a, a two-lane road. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing I found the most interesting, so my son, um, while he was at, at home the last few years, he, he generally liked to spend most of his time in his room. And... Um, I've been prepping for empty nest syndrome for like the last three years. But when the day hits you, no matter prep makes a difference. <laughs> right? It, so we, you talked last time like, hey, yeah, 
No, I have um, I'm still. Trying. I've been since before the kids were born. I've been looking forward to when they leave. And you know what? When you're in the moment, all of that stuff that you hold on to, like I can't wait till they leave, goes out the window. Um, it was. It was. And I'm generally. Um, uh, generally, my EQ is quite low. People go, "Oh, thank you, Carrie, much about me," and I'm like, "Yeah." What else? Faking. But with him, uh, it was an interesting uh, for me. I'm just uh, I had like a 10 minute speech that I wanted to talk to him. It's sort of the final words of daddiness, and that took me a good 40 minutes to get out. <laughs> um, Brent, I've never known you to be long winded. No, it wasn't because I was long winded. <laughs> I was I. I I kept on choking up. Yeah. Uh, and then going home, um, I go home, and it's still instinctive. I'm like, oh, Alex's car's not here. I wonder where he is. Oh, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was... Uh, Life-changing moments in the Jensen you know, household. minor rites of passage. This I is guess. my first one through it, and I'm like... Oh, this is interesting. I got a ways to go. Any prediction on what episode we're on when my uh, soon-to-be eighth grader goes off to college? So four years, maybe 200? Two? Can you imagine? Yeah. All right. Like your youngest? My youngest uh, is going into seventh grade. So we have five. Yeah, I'm actually thinking, like, when my youngest goes, goes off, mm-hmm. we'll probably be done with the podcast because you'll have been dead by then. Probably. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Love the support. Love the support. <laughs> hey, you know, I, I'm just a couple of years away from being all about ageism. No, you ageist. Like, I'll, I'll be joining your party. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the party. Uh, although, I have to say, and uh, you can't tell on the podcast, but I look much younger than Brent. Yes, he does. All right. Yeah. Hey, once again, I would like to thank the fine folks at TechWell and Star Conferences for sponsoring this episode of A-B Testing. That's it. Oh, wait. (laughs) 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 Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So I am excited to say that uh, Star Canada is returning to Toronto. Have you been to Toronto? I have not. Great city. They have a great soccer team. I haven't even been to Canada in probably 20 years. Oh, really? Yeah. I uh, gave uh, a few talks at Star Canada in Vancouver three years ago. It was just a fantastic. I love, they take such good care of speakers there. It's a great conference. Always a big fan of the Star Conferences. So returning to downtown Toronto in October, which means that it's playoff time and Toronto FC are definitely making the playoffs. Just in case those two coincide, I, I will stop. I will stop promoting Toronto FC, who are not a sponsor of this podcast, and get back to Star. So uh, Toronto in October is Star Canada. If you've not yet attended a Star conference, there has never been a better time to join the fun. And I agree. It will have over fifty testing sessions to choose from for a week packed with learning and networking opportunities. And I would like to emphasize that lot, always lots of great information in the talks. I think the networking and talking to people and spending time, 
talking to other testers, talking to speakers is a huge part of the value you get from a conference. Conferring, talking is so important. Uh, there will be keynotes from recognized thought leaders, Dorothy Graham, Doc Graham, who wrote a couple books on test automation, been in testing for a while, uh, very knowledgeable. Jeffrey Payne, um, uh, good. Uh, I've met Jeffrey a few times, um, knows a ton about Agile. I'll just put it that way. I re really, really respect him. Isabel Evans and Janet Gregory, who is Lisa Christmas co-author on the Agile testing books. Also, for the first time at Star Canada, there will be a test lab where you can break software, air quotes, for a good cause. In fact, the test lab is partnering with Plato Testing, an organization truly making a social impact by helping the Aboriginal people of Canada become experts in software testing. Students from Plato Testing will be attending Star Canada on scholarship and will be assisting other attendees while in the test lab. That sounds fun. I love, I don't know if you've ever been to a conference where they do like a test lab. I love diving into those. I love getting an excuse to. I'm still trying to figure out what Play Doh testing is. It, oh, sorry. It's Plato. It, it's P L A T O. Oh, Plato. Plato. Okay, that makes a lot more Plato. sense. Plato. <laughs> it's my enunciation, my enunciation, <clears throat> which is failing. Uh, sorry. So, oh, sorry. Not sorry. 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 Where was I? It's okay, the students from Plato Testing will be attending Star Canada on scholarship, as I mentioned, and assisting other attendees while in the test lab. If you are thinking about attending Star Canada, and why wouldn't you be 20% off your conference fees when you register with the promo code ABTESTING. All one word. By September 15th. Uh, this is the biggest star discount offer to date, 20% off. And STAR was actually our first uh, promo code. Yeah, and I will be, uh, I'll be doing a few STAR conferences coming up. I think I'm doing STAR West next year. I'll, anyway, I'll be at some STAR conferences, STAR, STAR West and a STAR East in 2018. I can't remember which one I'm doing first, what the order is, but they're coming up. Uh, to register or learn more about the full conference program, you can go to their website at uh, well.tc, whack Go Star Canada. I will post all of this information in the blog post, which I will likely, I'll likely edit this podcast on my flight tonight. Interesting. Note, remember to bring headphones. Okay. Mental note. Anyway, Star Canada, AB testing. you earbuds on the plane. That's excellent. I kind of need, I guaranteed I'm sitting next to a screaming child. Or a very large person, or someone who hasn't showered in three months. Yes. Or all one person. A screaming baby who hasn't showered. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so one of the things, be, before you go too much further, right? It, um, so as we've talked about before... We don't view ourselves as a professional podcast necessarily... I think we are ebbing on professionalism. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, continue. Okay, so well, we're half we're, of this room. We're an ebbing. The podcast. A half, one half may be more professional than the other. But on the sponsors, we would not be sponsoring them on the show if if it's not if it was something we didn't agree with. Absolutely, we are we are not. Any way, shape, or form, at a point where we're doing this 
for the money. We're doing uh, this because we're old geezers and we like to talk and we want to share. Absolutely. And the star conferences, they are keeping pace, I think, well, certainly better than other conferences. I'm a, uh, perhaps um, there's one other that I could think of that, that is on the same line, but because this one's sponsored by TechWell, I'm not going to mention that one. But if you're an avid listener to this uh, podcast because you, you, you value what we're saying, because you think we're um, taking a, a different point of view that isn't uh, out there, I'm going to tell you, if you want to get more information on this that is aligned with the content of what we talk about here, consider Star. I agree with everything Brent said, which is weird. I, yeah. <laughs> Let's move on before you <laughs> so, think too much about it. <laughs> yeah. Accidents happen now. But I do want to reemphasize, <laughs> uh, we get, spo- as you can tell, being a listener, we get uh, people asking if they can sponsor our show for a uh, nominal fee, and I'm always happy to do that if the product is something that I think that I would want to use myself or I have used myself or something I believe or I think, our yeah. listeners or I think it's, 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 yeah, it's listen. in line with like, yeah, this is, this is, I think beneficial, happy to, happy to pass on some savings opportunities. Yep. Okay. So, right. uh, on with the Kanban board over here, the, 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 the prioritized list. And speaking of Kanban, one thing I wanted to mention is, uh, for many, many years I've used, personal Kanban to sort of track my work and I, and I merge it. It's, it's, it's work stuff. It's personal stuff, everything from pay the bills to uh, do these tasks. Interestingly, I stopped using personal Kanban about a year ago, mm-hmm. quite a while. Uh, and I did it because I had read JD Meyer's book. I don't know if you've read his book called no. getting results, the agile way. And I was ready. I'm always ready to experiment and try something new. And he and the idea is you list out. I'm putting this. I apologize, JD, for totally paraphrasing your concepts down to nothing. But it's a good book. Three goals for the month that you set at you know the beginning of the month. Three goals for the week you set on Monday morning or Sunday night, and then three goals every day. I did that for a while and. What happened with that is I came, I went in and out of it. Uh, there's some good things I liked, and I'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, I used it for quite a while, but it ended up being more like a to-do list. And a to-do list, in my experience, ends up being stuff you never do. Uh, so I just I just did what needed to be done and didn't really track things that closely. I still liked doing the three goals for the month. I always did that. I will probably continue to still do that. But the reason I bring it up is I went back to personal Kanban two weeks ago. thought, oh, I'm going to go back and give this a try. And it's like coming back to a long lost friend. My, my productivity and, and throughput are just thought that they were awful before, but definitely accelerated. It's just, it's a, it's a, I just want to give a shout out to it for those that haven't, or haven't thought about doing it as a way to track the items that you work on. But it's, it's for me, I've realized it definitely works. And it's just something that it's, 
It's, you it's a way for me to get things done. Oh, Jim Benson? Yeah. Jim Benson wrote a book on personal Kanban. I got to go to a seminar he gave once, which was excellent. Uh, and anyway, just wanted to give a shout out to the concept because it's uh, no advertisement here, but if but it's sort of this along the same lines of it's something I believe in, something I think would be beneficial beneficial to A-B testing listeners. So I wanted to give it a few moments to share. Now, Brent's making a face or he's I'm peeing himself. Face. I'm making a face. Tell me why you're making a face, Mr. Brent. Getting things done the agile way, and that's the implementation. <laughs> well, WTF. So I, again, I squished an entire book, which is pretty good and filled with some great anecdotes and stories, no. down to a, a nutshell it's an alternate prioritization scheme. Uh, I do, and again, one thing I will. Do you want to know when I learned that prioritization scheme? Kindergarten? No. I once attended a seminar put on by Franklin Covey, oh. <laughs> whose job was to sell task books. <laughs> and this particular seminar was how to align the tasks to Microsoft Project. Oh my like, God. I'm like, wow. How did I you wish d- you had talked to me about before you started executing that model and abandoning personal Kanban because I would have m- mocked your waterfall what, ass what immensely. Ha- what happened was, and actually it worked at the task level, it doesn't work for me. It's worked when I needed sort of meta level goals. Like I need to. Something that take care of this requires multiple things for me to do. The personal Kanban um, addresses that. I know personal Kanban is much better, and so I basically I just fell away. I used it for I used personal Kanban for a long, long time, and I just for some reason I read this book, wanted to try something new, and I tried it for a while, and it was okay, but not good enough, and I wanted to keep on using it, so I fell into nothing for a while, and then uh, just recently came back to personal Kanban. So that's kind of my. I don't know about how you feel about this. Like you mentioned, you can't do the same presentation twice. Right. I will say that my view, the Agile community isn't innovating fast enough for uh, me at this moment in time. Because if I'm executing the same model over and over and over and over and over and over and over, even though it's, the, in my view, the best model there is, I get bored with it. And, and I'm like, and this is I why this is why I tried the new system because this is exactly why I don't give the same presentation twice. Is I want to, even if I give it the second time, my attempt is to make it better and it's worse. Ah, well, I changed it at least. I tr- I, I tried something new. Uh, same thing here. I tried something new. I always want to tweak what I'm doing, what I'm building, anything. I want to tweak and see if I can make it better. See if I can make it more interesting. See if I can learn more from it. So what I've done, when I first learned personal Kanban, I, I ran with it for a very long time. And then I went and did the SAFE training. And then I took some concepts from SAFE and tweaked how I did my personal Kanban. But now I'm at a point where there's no difference between my team board and my board. I just put it all into one. Right, and as, as you know, I've I've done. Um, I still have to document this one day, but I've I've um, 
made my own version of uh, an agile process that in my view is a is it's probably context sensitive but it's very effective for the world I live in and it takes bits and pieces from these different models but it's now on the same it's all on the same board so let's go into tangentville a bit Okay. Do, 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 do a little theme song for that. Do, 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 do. Oh. Recently had a discussion and a something I want to try. A discussion with one of my team members it led to something I want to try is I am in charge of more teams than I can count. More features than I can count. More feature teams. Uh, and I can't count very high, but it's more than will fit on my fingers. Uh, each has their own product backlog, and of course, because uh, my team members are embedded on feature teams, their work items are are part of the feature team boards. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it would be cool. I want to start, and I'll get into this tangent in a minute, I want to start finding ways for a few more cross-team sort of projects and more sharing. One of the things I think I'm going to do, and actually one of the things I'm going to do is find a way to tag items. In fact, I'm acting like this is difficult. I'm going to tag the the quality, the QA items on the individual boards so that I can view a master board of all the... Anyone, actually, anyone can view a master board of all the QA items across the organization. Okay. Hoping that if people view that, they might inspire like, oh, this is kind of like this. We should talk about this. As people are working on some more cross-functional tools, uh, cross-team tools, find some ways to connect on those. And this leads into uh, my team needs some, my organization, services organization needs a manager who can actually complete a sentence for (laughs) one, definitely leadership two, back to number one, (laughs) as I show Brent my favorite finger. Uh, Yep. My team, the organization needs some, there's some tools we need across the services organization. Okay. What the engine team at Unity has is something they call the Toolsmiths Org, a small number of people that kind of- Toolsmiths? Toolsmiths. Oh, Smiths. Okay. Who work on infrastructure and tools for the testing org. Ideally, I would have a few people in the services org dedicated to that. I don't have any headcount for that. I can start peeling some people toward that over the long term. Or- I could do kind of what I did when I was on the Xbox team where I had no one reporting to me but was in charge of building all of the organizing the building of all of the testing tools for Xbox. Okay. And I'm hoping that in building some visibility towards what we need across the org that I can start building some cross-team I don't want to call them a virtual team because you know, I'm allergic to that term. Cross-team initiatives to build some of those things and get people working together. It's not open source, but generally the term like I use yeah. under this is shared source. Yeah, and shared initiative. This is this is my World of Warcraft guide to project management. I will say that once you break the boundary and between the organizations and you get people volunteering to do that shift, magic really starts to happen. Yeah. and But it's so hard to get them to do that. I 
this is where I live. I, I'm a, as you know, I'm yep. a more of a community builder than a manager. I am confident and excited, more excited than confident that I can get this to happen. I think I have never, never worked with a team more eager to learn and try new things than this organization at Unity. So I'm, it frightens me sometimes when I plant seeds and they grow so fast. If I were in your shoes with what I understand of what you, what powers you have and versus what you don't, one of the things that I may consider is to bootstrap this, bootstrap this along with sort of a long-term strategy, which will, it's context sensitive. I don't have enough information to guide you on it. Offer a one-off bonus program where successfully completing and checking in work that belongs to another team, you're going to artificially reward that with a one-off sort of thing. Yeah, I do want to – there is the idea of the spot bonus that I want to – I want to be able to – yes, I, I, I'm going to figure out a way to make that happen. Yeah. And – the great thing is, is unlike Microsoft, that would be a pipe dream I'd ever get to do. Actually, when I if there's something I think I want to ha- make happen, it does. It's not like automatically it happens, but usually were, we can find a way. There it's, were times in my career where I had the ability to influence it, but now that I'm a, in a front manager role, the incentives have to be more Daniel Pink related and not necessarily yeah. money. Yeah. And ideally, which are more powerful as we as we know, but they're harder to you communicate and get across. Definitely. Do both. Don't do money and not uh, you have not and not praise. You have to do both. Hey, speaking of praising, yeah, let's go on to the next topic, which oh. is <laughs> yeah, which is <laughs> which has very little to do with praising. <laughs> In fact, maybe the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So you wrote the item down. I'll let you set this up, and then I'll make a face and tear it apart. Yeah. So it's it's. I've uh, agreed with you enough for one day. Just so you know. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, my... <laughs> How many times can Alan interrupt Brent? There is... So at Microsoft, we're at, the, we're at a re- review process. And this topic is something that Alan and I have been sort of talking about uh, outside of the podcast. And given our last theme was really around management and leadership, our last podcast. Yep. Um, I remember. I was there. Yep. Um one of the things I, I realized that we really didn't talk about in terms of uh, management philosophy and, uh, and, and one of the worst, the most unpleasant things that managers have to do, and that is communicating bad messages. Now, I'll, I'll start off basically saying at this, one, one of the things that's a philo- philosophical foundation for me is Surprises and adjectives are criminal. Surprise? What do you mean by adjectives? Because I've I've said the first statement before, but adjectives. I know what an adjective is, but give me an example in this situation. Uh, this person was awesome. This person sucked. Um, the the well, those are judgments, which are also bad. But adjectives, best, worst, adjectives are criminal when it comes to 
when it certainly when it comes to communicating bad messages, in my humble opinion. Yeah, and good. I get that. And the that first part of it is the most important. So a bad message should never be a surprise. For sure. It's uh, we had, and I'll bring this up a couple times because I've had. Even as a non-manager, I took a lot of management training at Microsoft uh, just because I was in a leadership position, because I was asked to go, because I was in engineering excellence as part of what I did. Uh, So I've had a few decades of different sorts of management training. Uh, I had a leadership training at Unity, took two days. And of course, knowing you knowing me, I walked in very skeptical uh, that, oh, God, yeah, it was the best management training I've ever had. Nice. And not to say it was awesome from end to end. There were a few points where I, I did ask WTF, but it was great because I could ask WTF and and just the unity culture of transparency and respect if I do it. I said, I don't get how this... Anyway, it was great. Yeah. Great experience. <laughs> uh, and they there was a couple things that... One of the bits of feedback I gave, they asked us to sort of invent... like Not invent, but... Think of some critical feedback you need to give someone in your team and frame it in this uh, framework, which I may talk about in a little bit if relevant. And I did it, but I said, I told them this feels contrived because by the time the conversation, it would never get this far to this. I would have mentioned this to them. We would have had discussions about this five, ten times before we had this uh, f- air quote, fierce feedback conversation. Okay. Uh, so, which goes into the surprise. It's like, Brent, when you interrupt me on the podcast, it causes me to feel blah, 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 or, and, and this blah, blah, blah to happen. And so? A, so what should we do? What's your point? What should we do about it? And ignore your and, feedback and versus just ignoring him forever and going, Brett, I hate you. I quit. <laughs> you want to bring up that critical feedback. Uh, wait, wait. As, so as the, soon the, as you the, need it, the, the punchline to this is, is to then shift to Socratic and say, what should we do about it? No, I'm, I'm, uh, giving a very bad example of giving you to the point and critical feedback uh, before it escalates to a point where it's a it's uh, a job ending or a mm. review diving feedback. Yes. And as you know, and this is one of my beefs at Microsoft, is I've had almost every single one of my managers only gave me feedback during reviews. Especially my last one. I had one manager who I was uh, maybe two months into a new job at Microsoft – and I asked him, hey, how am I doing? His response was, oh, wow, I didn't know you were going to put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know that one, too. And often, you talk about review season while I'm on a little bit of a soapbox and rant. Yep. As you know, many Microsoft managers will customize your feedback based on how much of a raise or not raise they're able to give you. Well, yeah, there's, I mean, we got to quote unquote own the message. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, and just going back to the original point, is if you, I, I'm 
my blood's boiling a little bit while I try and talk about this, is yep. that you have to give people that feedback all the time. So you, I, you have one-on-ones with your team frequently, yep. a, as do I, as do most good managers. That can't just be a status report meeting. I Sometimes it is. I try to explicitly ban – like, I got <laughs> – I have a daily stand-up. I have a weekly retrospective. Um, if I'm not aware of the status, there's something else really wrong. Yeah, it's a little different for me. Well, I'll take a little bit of status just because I'm so spread out. Um, and it's mainly as a way for me to draw out ways that I can help, help you, you as my employee. Yeah. Uh, so I'll say, well, tell me more about that. Is that is there is that going as well as it could, or something I can do that those, those sorts of conversations? I think if I were in your role, there's one technique an old manager of mine taught me. If I were in your role, I would for sure do this because uh, you're you're trying to find those things where hey, I'm a manager, I have resources, um, I know stuff, I'm talking to your peers. Let me help you. And it kind of goes to what I was talking about last time about um, my perspective that I'm a management service provider mm-hmm. and not a manager. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, te- yeah, I- the technique is very simple. I tell, tell my reports, look, I don't care if you do it even literally two minutes before the meeting, but I want you to send me an agenda for our 101. Now, this sounds super managerial, but what happens when you send the agenda and you also say, I don't give a rat's ass about status reports? It forces them to think through what the hell they need you for. Yeah. And I do that for <laughs> Yeah. I don't do that consistently. But for what I've found is when I find that a that doesn't come out naturally in a one on one, I begin to ask for that or it sort of com- comes out yep. organically. For having like these, for not having good conversations, I definitely fall to that. But I should do that for everyone on the team. Send me, send me one to one to n number of things you want to talk about, because I like then framing that is, and it helps me figure out how I can help you. I, I specifically frame it as, look, I'm your MSP. We're meeting. There, there's some value you're hoping to to get from me from your time invested Mm -hmm. think about it about what that might be got it (laughs) right because so often uh, you have these one-on-ones and it ends up being a defensive conversation along the lines of why something hasn't been done right and i'm like i don't want to talk about that in one-on-ones right except for where actually i take that back except for where that does that is related to that individual's career growth. Like, uh, as an example, I, I run a data science team, but as, as I've blogged about, it's not a specialist team. I have people who are f- comfortable with some things and can integrate, but they're developers that report to me. And for the time period that we've been in, up until now, that's great. But it's not going to help them in the next couple of years. And so I'm having conversations around, okay, how do you go this even further? But I'm communicating bad messages. Hey, someone stepped over the line or it's just not working out. You're now at the 11th, 11th 
time having the same conversation and you and you're realizing it's not a fit and you're firing them or it's a review process and whatever your company's review process is uh, most people look at the numbers and that is ultimately the review they care about and how how do you communicate those things now th that particular is where i think adjectives suck yeah and my my absolute least favorite one oh yeah you're getting this because you weren't visible enough oh my god that adjective i just despise. these are my yeah. but there is a better way of doing it instead of adjectives for example communicate actions uh uh, one of the things that I have found extremely helpful in this one, I've actually, uh, so back in the day when, you remember when we had these labels at Microsoft, like underperform limited, yeah, uh, that thing? I've, I've actually communicated a UL message and had the guy thank me afterwards. Yeah. I have any manager, uh, managers don't like giving harsh feedback it's a difficult thing for anyone to do yep but it has it's if you need to be a matching build need to be able to do it i fired someone once i had to let someone go they weren't a fit and they thanked me as well um but, but the reason that's a was bit surprising the reason was immediately was, thank you yes that's it was not a surprise oh i see because we when there's a performance problem you need to bring it up immediately and talk about the impact it's causing and then have continued conversations about that if things aren't improving. And when it got to the point, it was not just like surprises are criminal. The firing was not a surprise. He and I both knew it wasn't a fit. Uh, I said, it's not about you personally. Just not, it's not working out. And he, th he thanked me in, in that, that, that entire 15-minute conversation where I was prepared for him to be defensive and, and, and in my head I'm thinking now is not the time to be defensive this is, we've mm -hmm. talked about, you know we've talked about this before but it was again because I had had multiple conversations leading up to it the letting the person go was pleasant on both sides I was I was uh, proud of the way he acted and and happy for both of it both of us that just kind of worked out that way he will be successful and probably is successful in some other position now, but at the time, uh, it just, again, it, it worked out like it's supposed to. I, one of the things that I have, so first and foremost, it has actually been a very long time since I've actually had to take the step of actually firing somebody. Because at Microsoft, you just move them to another team, right? No, I don't. I, <laughs> Sorry. No. Dig, dig. Well, actually, so in some cases, I will. If it's a if it's purely a fit problem, right? For sure, right? Um, there, there is. I I had to deal with that just in the last couple of years, where what they like to do and what they did well was not something my organization was willing to pay them to do. It, and I also believe this goes a little bit. We talked about last time. I'll let you get back on topic. Is our job as a manager is to find the net, always be looking for the next best role for all of our employees. And ideally that role is something on our teams because especially if they're a top performer, but sometimes it's not. No. Sometimes that next big role, I'm moving one of the people on my team at Unity to a different team outside of services because that's 
where their passions are, where they're uh, where they have a lot of excellence, both demonstrated and, and past experience. So it's this just the right thing to do. I, I I completely agree. There's an emotional argument to that. There's a there's a logical argument to it as well. For um, for example, uh, so I generally take the the more lo- logical argument. Right, I don't view firing as a negative thing. Right, uh, particularly with the strategy that I do, where I, I find surprises criminal. Right, I, well in advance, like I'm pretty good at seeing at this point in time. I'm pretty good at seeing patterns and seeing the mm-hmm. future of particular individuals and see when they're on a path that's going to diverge and and sort of the timeline when it's going to be negative for them. Yeah. And get them ahead and get them starting to act. And I try to stay in the coaching realm as much as possible. Like the last individual I talked, I, I was just in the last couple of years, I said, look, if, if there isn't a change, you're not going to be talking to Coach Brent anymore. You're going to be talking to Manager Brent. And Manager Brent has to worry about his business and has to worry about how his resources are applied. And there are very specific things that he has to do when things are out of alignment. So, what? And we don't want to have a conversation with manager Brent. So let's figure out how we solve this while it's still coach Brent. So what techniques or frameworks do you have for giving, if any, for, or maybe it's contextual, for giving that critical feedback when needed? It's always contextual. But <clears throat> there is, I will say that if there is secret sauce to this, is your feedback cannot contain adjectives. They must instead contain actions. So I think of it as a retrospective. And I go, so people want to know, how do they get in this space? Okay, so the, yeah, you're going to have to cover some sort of contextual, you know, what led us here. But what I then do in, in my conversation is I'll, I'll go, hey, you know, looking back on this now, it's very clear to me that if you had taken these sets of actions instead of the ones that you took, that would have led you to a much better place. And moving forward, it is critical that you continue to take these type of actions. But that's not the stuff I love to do. It's, it's an often, often the thing. Because uh, an, another thing that, that happens is people like, but I'm awesome. Why, I, why aren't I being rewarded for being awesome? And this, a lot of times employees don't really understand this fitness concept. It, it sounds like management speak. I'm like, look, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you an example. Uh, I had a, a guy a few years back was just a talented uh, build engineer, one of the best. But I was in an organization that gave a rat's ass. And, and I'm like, it's a, you know, going back to what I talked about last time, that's, that, that um, Venn diagram, what you do well, what you like to do, and what you can get paid to do. And I said, look, yeah, you know what? What you're doing is valuable, but it's never going to, it's never going to be in this team and the problems that we have, it's never going to stack high in valuable results. It's just not. 
I want to be clear on one thing, which is yeah. that when you give the critical feedback, it's not always about firing someone. No. It's about cor- more often than not, it's just about course corrections. So hopefully, I'm, it's always about course corrections. I, I mentioned in the last podcast, but it's more relevant now. This book by I think it's Kim Scott. I forget her name. A book called Radical Candor, which I read and now I'm rereading. It's some of it's actually it's it's very good. It's one of the best management books I've read. And I'm not sure I but I'm not sure why yet. I'm trying to figure that out. It's maybe like when I sometimes I read sometimes I read a book. It's it connects things I believe in and adds some more background to them. But it's how to give that how some of it it's like tying some good frameworks for giving feedback in radical candor. It reminds me a little bit of the this model we call fierce feedback at Unity, which is uh, sort of what's the way I remember it is what so what now what what's next, and. Yep. It gets about the action. So I tell you, yep. you did this and it caused this action. And then we discuss, we, before I even tell, I'm not gonna, going to tell you right away if I have ideas how to do that. I'm going to say, Brent, when you do this, it causes this problem. And then I'm going to let you talk. I'm going to let you lead the conversation from there. I said, yeah, or you, maybe you realize it, maybe you don't, maybe you have an excuse, maybe you don't. But we're going to have a discussion about it for a while. And then when... We feel like that discussion. So the important thing on that one, actually, is that you're discussing the employee's behavior, not the actions. employee. Right. When you do this, what it causes, when you don't get yep. your work done on time, it slows down the whole team from getting this, getting this, the, this deliverable done. Every human being is awesome. But in, a, in, in the environmental context... Their behaviors in one environment may be a winning success equation, and but in another environment, the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a big difference I know of, for example, between in Google and Microsoft. There's Google's in the news a lot, and and they're being framed as sort of a utopian technology company. And I'm like, yeah, I you know what? That's probably hyperbole, but I can see where they're coming from. The Google model sort of rewards similar thinking, convergence, consensus. Mm-hmm. The Microsoft model is significantly more competitive. Definitely. No, it's, your it's, idea is stupid. It's built around that. It's, right. It's, it's to a, definitely to a fault. Yeah. Oh, I think they're both uh, dysfunctional to some degree. So let me finish with what, so what, now what, what's next, and tie that back to radical candor and maybe reasons it's overlapping. So you have this discussion about the behavior, and then at some point you go, so, and this could be a five-minute conversation, could be an hour conversation. Uh, so what do we do about it? And maybe, maybe you have some ideas, we come up with something together. Okay, and then what are the next steps? Maybe it's to sync in a week, maybe it's to... Uh, let me give you an example. I'm going to tie this to radical candor and give you an example. One of the things you want to do in feedback is give feedback as close to the moment that it happened than necessary. Like the Microsoft model is in the review when you're getting your crappy performance number. You go, yeah, back in January, you were a dick in that meeting. And that really affected really affected the VP's view of you. So you're getting a poor score. Uh, actually, <laughs> well, yeah. But the, the other problem with that is, of course, a lot of the times – the consequences aren't readily apparent. Yeah. So instead, uh, I can apply that 
and this is very much the radical candor model, is give that feedback in the moment. Say, Brent, when you interrupt, like after a meeting, we walk out of, hey, Brent, when you interrupt in a meeting, it makes people feel like you don't care about what they have to say. And this is all like in a two-minute conversation. So next time you're in a meeting and you have, maybe we can, it depends on the people and context. We can figure out a plan for that. But in that moment, give that, and again, these are contrived examples, but the moment you observe a behavior or an action that you want to correct, give that correction and just hopefully you've built a culture of trust that actually ties to uh, the Pat Lencioni work on trust. Yep. So I want to have that culture of trust and respect so that I can just give you that feedback and you don't take it personally and go, oh, yeah, good feedback. And I don't have to put pretty flowery words around no, it that just, that lead you. They don't, the problem with some of these things, like a lot of times managers um, will we'll do, oh, yeah, no, I love you, but uh, my manager hates your guts, so, yeah. uh, you know. Own the message. Right. Um <laughs> No, but the thing is, I, I actually agree with that portion of owning the message. Because what you're saying, you're, you're telling your employee, oh, by the way, you got victimized, but it's okay. I did too. Great. You know what? I don't want to be victimized. Give me some feedback that allows me to learn from my mistakes and, and, and gets me, puts me in control of my own yeah. destiny and prevent this from happening again. That's right. the primary what? reason why I hate adjectives. Because when, when, when you are told that you are awesome or you are told that you, are, that you suck, you, you're not being communicated what behaviors you have that are being rewarded or penalized. Absolutely. So and you're just as in the dark, except you either have more or less money. And you don't always, and this is a Microsoft thing too, but uh, don't always tie feedback to rewards. You're you saying they don't always tie? No, no don't. I'm, I'm telling you, don't. Microsoft, I mean, you just, in your example, you just said, you, you just tied it to money again. And it's, yeah. it's review season, so it's, it's inevitable. But. Yep, yeah, unfortunately, Microsoft's not very good at that yet. It's still part of our lifeblood and our culture. Yeah, and right. many many episodes ago, we talked about our, um, ways to fix that. But a, I, a I, manager, I don't I don't care anymore. <laughs> no, no. So um, an old manager of mine who has left Microsoft and gone to another big company in Seattle that is not Amazon. I like their review model. What they do, everybody gets their bonus. There's no competing for bonus. And then the manager has discretionary spot bonus money that he can reward throughout the entire year as that was kick-ass. Here's a couple thousand. So you have people on a continuous basis trying to deliver awesome versus spend a whole year strategizing around, okay, This is how I'm going to tear well, Alan down to make sure he's below me. And um, again, Microsoft is very competitive and a very nepotistic. Is that, can, I, is that can I make that a word? Uh, environment where if you suck up to your manager, you will be rewarded. You can be. Yeah, that's right. You can be rewarded. Yeah. In radical candor, talks about the Google review promotion model, 
where it's not the manager's choice at all to promote someone. The manager can be involved, of course, but you put together a, a packet. It's called a, uh, I forget what it's called. A, they call it's it a, a packet. packet. Uh, it's a portfolio of your work, which is reviewed by uh, a peer group, a level above the level you want to go to. Yep. And they go yay, nay. And if that happens, yeah, great. If not, they, they get some feedback there. And it's, and I had, and they I had can heard about it. all of the people that they're evaluating or none or any place in between. Yeah, and so the quality bar. Is I had heard about it before, but reading the book reminded me of what a fair model that is. It's fairer than what we're used to, but there is an update. I don't have all of the details, but much like anything else that's written word, and Google contains smart people just like Microsoft does, it is not an ungameable system. Every system is gameable. So with enough time and enough um, pattern matching. Yeah, you could write your stack of things um, that fulfills what is uh, unwritten but known criteria. Sure. And back in the day, like in 15 years ago, if Microsoft had done this, I can guarantee you, like wrote test harness would have yeah. been on the list in test. Yeah, one of the things, uh, and I'm surprised that Actually, if this existed 15 I, years ago, the thing that you did where you typified everybody and created the test segments, that would have been used for so much evil. At for sure, company. for sure. And I think that I, can't, I lost track of how many review systems Microsoft had while I was there, but pretty much they last until they've been gamified by too many people, and then they go to a new model. Yeah, and my favorite part about how Microsoft does it is they go to the, they go to the new model uh, literally two weeks after you've written the review. Uh, you know, a lot of times the whole surprise thing isn't something that uh, my company, in my humble opinion, sort of agrees with up and down the stack. And I'm pretty certain that actually executives would, but it's um, it's it's legal that's, uh, that's putting these sort of constraints on there. One of the ways to work through this, uh, I'll just go through it quickly, We'll talk about this in terms of like project, but a lot of, um, so SAFE has a model. Alan was telling me earlier that my, uh, Amazon has a model that before you start doing a chunk of work, write the press release announcing the completion of that work. Yeah, it's an extension of BDD. Yeah. Um, uh, in my team, we, we go through this. We have its acceptance criteria. We have a process we call the definition of done. And I'm like, it's not done until a customer can do these four things. Yep. I, I don't care how it's implemented. Similar thing, it, 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 it works in a, in a nutshell. So if in the Connect, or what we, what Microsoft. Connect is the Microsoft review It's the name term. of the Microsoft review process. If in the review, so if you have some of these, it, it would work positive and negative. It works better if you have an official review process that's frequent because uh, things in today's world change so fast. But you can do the same thing. I could say, Alan, you know what? We're gonna, you're going to be writing another Connect in a few months. What I would like you to do after we're done with this one is I want you to go write that Connect. I want you to write up right now. Yeah. 
what you did in the next three months. Yep, I get it. That process, as long as that person's continuously rereading it or revising it or rethinking it, right, um, that's going to help them stay on the path towards the goal. It reminds me, one of the things that when I was doing – when I was doing mentoring at Microsoft, one of the things I'd always have my serious mentees do is ones who are like obsessed with career growth or, or interested in career growth or wanted to do some sort of transformation is I said, write a paragraph that that is written that someone is writing about you six months from now. How would they describe you? How is someone describing you six months from now? And I make him write that paragraph. And that would be the framework for what we talked about over the next n number of sessions. It's like, how are you moving toward that? How are you becoming, I want to be an accomplished author. Well, how much are you writing? So yeah, I, I, do. I, 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 that model is super helpful. Uh, I, I love it. It reminds me of my favorite Lewis Carroll quote. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And a lot of the times with the mentees is they don't know where they're going. And so you spend time and you say you, you, you get them to come up with their own way. Right? The, the challenge is, yeah, sure, I have a lot of experience. I could sit down. I'm not your manager, but I could easily tell you where to go. But that's not what's helpful. What's helpful is for you to learn how to control your own destiny and how to align it with your business and your managers and all of those things. If you don't, employees may not think about where they want to go. Other than I'm just going to come to work every day and show up and do my thing. Right. But then those are the people who go, well, wait a minute. I'm awesome. How come I didn't get a good review? Well, you know, you decided to to track your career, uh, you know, very similar to a, a butterfly flying at the whims of the wind. Sometimes the wind goes in a positive direction and sometimes the wind goes straight into the volcano. Right. If, if you if you don't like that model, quit being a butterfly. So one of the things, this is probably waxing political now, but one of the things, I grew up with a father that got paralyzed in the Vietnam War. Half of his body paralyzed. He went in right-handed, came out left-handed. He does not agree with the ADA and um, a lot of these sort of mentalities around protecting the disabled. He, his philosophy is much more along the lines of, yep, you got dealt a crappy hand of cards. It doesn't change what you need to do in terms of play that hand the best that you can always. So us as humans, we don't have any control over whether or not we get victimized. But being a victim is a choice. Absolutely. And some people are happier with that. And mm-hmm. that's fine. That's a good choice. If that makes you happy, if, if, if it makes you feel better having this as a label, that's fine. I'm not judging on that. But, but those choices have consequences. And a lot of times you can't have the cake and eat it too. Anyway, I think we can end now. All right. Hey, <laughs> I am Alan. And I'm Brent. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.